Alrighty guys, welcome back to Brolosophy. Today, what we have for you is we have a great show, but before we rip into it, we just want to talk a little bit about our sponsors. So our sponsors are True Protein. So True Protein are a premium supplement brand in Australia. And if I had the chance to pick one provider, a supplement provider, then it would certainly be True Protein. They've been uh, partnered with the show for a long time now. They actually inquired um, with me about partnering back in the days of Adventure Fit. They wanted to give away a couple of holidays and, and so forth. And it was awesome because I've always loved what True Protein do. I've always loved them as a brand. I've always loved the people that they work with. Um, yeah, and when they reached out, it was a welcome surprise. It was awesome. Um, and we've been supporting each other ever since. So um, I don't get too heavily into supplements. I cycle on and off uh, creatine from time to time, but pretty rarely. Uh, I do use a bit of protein and I do use some MCT oil um, from the guys. So, um, and I wouldn't go anywhere else. It, it's really awesome. So, um, but... You know, they've got absolutely everything. So they've got all types of protein powders, all types of uh, performance blends, um, all types of aminos and creatines, pre-workout, post-workout, carbohydrate form, uh, formulas, health foods, nut butters. They've got everything. So um, really, they're a one-stop shop for all your supplement needs Australia-wide. So if you want to score a sick discount, then head to trueprotein.com.au Use the code BRO at checkout and you'll get 10% off. We are also brought to you by Yeti. So guys, what is a Yeti? Yeti is a premium outdoor brand that's starting to make some serious noise in the Australian marketplace. Yeti has created a standard for coolers and the two hard cooler models, the Tundra and the Roadie, were at the forefront of their mission. Born out of a frustration with coolers that cracked, caved and gave up, Yeti has set out to improve three main elements, durability, extended ice retention, and weather resistance. So Yeti guys are a sponsor of Joe Rogan. So effectively, um, they're the best. That's all I'm going to say about that. So to learn more about Yeti, jump online at au.yeti.com forward slash bro and don't look back. Also, guys, last but not least, we are brought to you by Athena. So head to athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A, and you'll see all of our uh, virtual assistant services. So how it works, guys, is basically you would send an inquiry to us, say, hey, I've got a team. Um, we're, we're growing and expanding. I need some help in... Um, I need some administrative help to get some tasks off my plate. Um, I want an SEO writer because I want my Google rank to improve. I want a content producer because I want to create awesome videos and, and, and uh, imagery to give value to our community. Whatever it is, you'll make an inquiry with us. Uh, we'll walk you through a live demo. If it's a fit for your business and it's a fit for us, then we'll go out and we'll find the right person to plug into your business and we've got such highly overqualified people ready to go at all times. It's just, it's really taking the piss. So how it works with us guys is, um, so I'll tell you a few of our team members internally at Athena. So this is, you know, people that work directly for us. We have myself, Mads and Drew. So we're the directors, we're the, uh, we're the partners. So I'm CEO, Mads is CFO, Drew's head of growth. And then some of our team members. So these are all team members that we have from... Uh, 
our own recruiting pipelines in Argentina, Venezuela, Philippines, Peru. Uh, we have Aaron, who's IT and tech. He's a weapon. Um, he's as good as anyone you'd pay $100,000 for in Australia. Vicky's our social media manager. She's, she's great. Ricardo is a media producer for us. Ricardo is a professional level media producer. So he's studied film production at the University of Buenos Aires. Mike, business development. He heads up our outreach department. He's in Venezuela. Ed, graphic design, weapon. Jose, account man- accounts manager. He's actually um, Vicky's dad. Uh, Jan, business development manager. Massively, Jan's a practicing law- uh, lawyer. Um, and he works with us on the side. Matthias is a media producer for us as well. Matthias is a graduate of audio video productions. Um, so another, another professional media producer. Maria, uh, success manager, client success manager. So basically what I've done there is we've got, uh, I've outlined three internal staff directors in Australia and nine offshore team members that just, you'd pay, you'd pay, you'd pay big money for these guys, their skills. And through us, through our packages, you know, for, for a business, it's a way more cost-effective solution for small business and you'd probably pay a third of what you would market value, a third or maybe a quarter of what you would pay market value in, uh, in your, you know, hiring someone in your host country. And it really helps these guys because um, a, lot of the, a lot of the economies that they're coming from aren't really booming, so it gives them uh, really great employment and, and, uh, and yeah, a, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And um, yeah, and it helps small businesses grow. So if you're interested in growing your team with us, head to athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A, and use the code BRO in the inquiry form and you'll get 20 hours free. Alternatively, you can email me directly, doc at athena.co, and uh, we can pick up the chat from there. Here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. guys uh welcome back to adventure fit radio no tribute for you today because we no have tri- no tribute because we have our first ever um two-time guest michael inglis welcome back to the show thanks phil how are you going good i'm well i'm well why don't you uh give us an update the last six months the mind room your practice and uh what have you been up to the last since we caught up um well plenty because there's obviously um i probably caught you i imagine in the pre-season of afl or so on yes so yes they're in finals mode and uh i'm around for one another week very um, good <laughs> um mine room lots of happening we're doing um trying to do as many workshops and classes as possible um got a couple coming up in the sports performance area um one in october just all performance mental skills like it's basically mm-hmm. a come and try it day so mm. we're doing six performance mental skills over the course of a day and you can just pick and choose, mix and match, mix, mix and match which ones you come want to come to. Yep. 
And then in November, I'm doing like a bit of a half-day workshop called The Mindful Athlete. So, right. the different ways mindfulness can be used or applied in mm-hmm. athletes. So, that'll be the last two kind of um, two workshops days that I'll do for the rest of the year. Um, and then we'll kind of reboot for 2017. Cool. I'm going to go straight into it. with your Because you do a lot of stuff with, with athletes as well. Have you seen some, some clear results as in how mindfulness can help an athlete? It's hard to sort of quantify, I guess, because you can know, you know, how would they have been here without mindfulness or with mindfulness? But have you seen a real change in how mindfulness helps some of your athletes on the field specifically? Yep. There'd be certain, there'd be certain parameters I, I, could, I could probably tell or they could actually inform me about. Uh, you know, there is some kind of particular tests you can do around particular around attention and awareness and uh, so on. Yeah. But, you know, subjectively, you could ask them, if, you know, a few questions. Um, how often they stay in the moment? Mm. So how often do they become uh, distracted by what may happen in the future versus or what they or reflecting in the past um, versus how they are in the present? Mm-hmm. Um, how outcome focused they are versus process focused is another good question. I think you will give you the answer of how mindful they're being. Mm. Um how often they're actually performing to their best. So yeah, that's what, what I was going to say. What's Statistically. That? Statistically as well. Yeah. You'd be able to gauge it, gauge yeah, yeah, it like how their, their actual performance. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. So okay. they're their best, they're their, most, their biggest critic. So mm. they'll let you know if they don't think they're performing that well. But how close they are performing to um, their full potential um, is a good representation of how mindful they're being. Um, and depending on the sport and so on, but in a game like Aussie Rules where it's 120 minutes, how long they're in the present moment for and able to maintain attention um, is a bit of a factor as well. So when you say maintain attention, how would an athlete lose their attention? They'll just drop out of... Uh, I, I, for Australian rules or for our li- listeners that are like other sports, like gridiron, soccer, it's all mm. kind of the same. That, the open sports that are continuous. Yeah, the open continuous yeah. sports. So what do you mean... What do you actually mean by... Uh, obviously dropping attention, uh, we know what that means, but in terms of the... The, the run of play, mm. how do you drop in and out of focus like that? Yeah, it's surprising because if we were there as a supporter or whatever, or an observer, we watch it and it looks like there's you know people running around and involved the whole time. Mm. But, you know, their mind at times is the, the way I can explain it is when they're task focused, um, that's when they're actually on, on task of what they need to do. But it's a lot of time they're self-focused. So they're self-evaluating or self-critiquing. Mm-hmm. You know, how did I just do them? What am I about to do now? Uh, Am I, I doing exactly the right thing? Mean. So we're talking about 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 second delays. Yep. But depending on the sport, what, how far can someone leave if your opposition leave you in 0. 0.3 gotcha. second? Mm, gotcha. One and a half meters. You know, yeah. so that makes perfect sense now. Yeah. Mm. That's how I was when I was in when I was a junior, play footy. junior junior footy player. I had um, a little bit of talent, so I went through the the interleague, so like the league's representative, and then mm-hmm. like stingrays or the early TAC stuff, yep. and then that was the the combination of leagues and leagues put together obviously the next level yep. and I always performed well didn't think overthink things like you say come out of the moment at all locally when I would go into interleague I was always the captain or like one of the better players like so I was good and I'd play well and I felt confident uh, confident and comfortable and then when I went to stingrays because of just the bigger fish in the pond I just didn't feel confident at mm-hmm. all and it was those were the thoughts it was like anxiety of sport, hmm. like I, I never actually. When you that makes perfect sense because I think and I performed terribly at Stingrays. Like hmm. it was a whole other level above. Hmm. There were so much better players I was playing against and with. Yep. But I think out of my reaching my potential at local level, I was probably like eighty percent. Hmm. At interleague level, I was probably like seventy five percent. And at Stingrays level, I was probably like 
40% of yeah. my potential because of what was going on in my head. So that makes perfect sense. Mm. So how do you train that then? Yeah, well, I mean, that's how it kind of been mindfulness as well is, is, the, is the fact that you can keep on because um, really what's going on is am I, do I belong to be here? Am I going to be good enough against these guys? Gee, he's really good. Mm. Oh, he's better than me. How am I going to compete, et cetera, et cetera. When you're going through that dialogue, all you're doing is being completely absorbed yeah. by what's going inside your own head. And so you probably don't even notice it, but the, the game's still going. You've stopped for five seconds considering mm. this. 100%. Yeah. And so the whole you've missed a chance. You missed an opportunity yeah. to be involved in the next contest. So um, really learning to have those... It, it's not the thoughts of the issue, but it's how the impact of those thoughts. Yeah. So how yeah. those wash off. Yes. So people who are effective in mindfulness are allowed to have those thoughts, but it doesn't really impact on them. They have it and they just almost like wash off. Yeah. But they're still involved on task at hand. You know, the, the, the biggest thing that I've found with mindfulness now, because I started it with you and um, that was a good couple of years ago now, but um, the biggest thing that I've found that is it's, it um, carries over into every aspect of life, like... You know, I'll, I'll sit at home and I'll meditate and then I'll, I'll try to stay really present by breathing and jumping into a cold shower or things like that. And I'll find that I'm not thinking about as many things when I'm doing CrossFit, when I'm kicking the footy, when I'm public speaking, when I'm like every single thing. Yep. So are there specific things you would do with athletes as opposed to what you would do with the everyday person that comes in with anxiety disorders? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, dep- again, depending on the sport, um, you've got to be able to find opportunities where they can actually apply it. So it's what we call mm. there's the formal practice, which is more that meditation kind of component versus the informal practice. So what can they do whilst they're still running around playing? Because mm. you can't be cross-legged yeah. singing in a peaceful environment <laughs> at that moment to meditate, I mean, can you? I've done it. <laughs> just bring your own pillow. So you've just got to, you've got to cue into a few things. So I get a lot of time I'm really sensory, you know, something, you know, it's worth touching the grass or something like that. Um, sometimes it's been the, what we call anchoring with the breath. So just that one breath and engaging what that feels like as a bit of a reset button for them to go right. and go again. Okay. Okay. But it depends on sport to sport. So this is, and this is the, the challenge we have now in AFL in terms of, you know, previously in our juniors, whatever position you played, you would have had rest. So yeah. you would have played a position and wherever that ball is called in the thirds, mm-hmm. back, mid, forward, mm-hmm. you know, you would have a little rest. So you might have been involved for a third of the time, probably midfield a bit more. You're involved a third of the time as such, but you had little mind, like little um, mental yeah, the, rest. Little zones and rest. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. AFL now, or you would have found a Danong. You're expected to defend. Yeah. Yep. You don't have the ball. You're expected to be in a particular position. Rolling, rolling, uh, all rolling the zones so and you, all that stuff. They're, they're involved the whole time. There, there is no time to switch yep. off yep. Yeah. apart from the breaks. So when they're on the ground, there's no time. So is that why you say you try and get that one breath that you anchor yourself off? So how does that... See, that's another thing. Like, I've obviously, I meditate, try and meditate daily now. And some days I feel like I get a real mind-clearing response from it. And some days, you know, you just don't really get the same from, the, from, from doing it. Hmm. But my mum's always been really big into meditation. She's always said... Really? Yeah, yeah. She's oh. a yoga teacher. She's oh, like Reiki, okay. whatever. I don't even know what Reiki is. Yeah, but, what is Reiki? Um, but, um, Do you know what Reiki is? <laughs> Uh, hovering the hand that was oh, right, okay. I guess like hum yeah. is this what you meant hum it's an energy thing right I put, yeah, a, I put on a um, meditation I know that I put on a meditation thing last night to like three hour Reiki meditation yeah. go, okay this is some bizarre word that I don't know <laughs> bang that was great um, <laughs> I don't know what it is though I actually have no, I actually have no idea what Reiki is whatsoever but yeah. um, she's always told me like with, with stress and anxiety or whatever to just breathe, like just just get yourself, get mm. a couple of big breaths, and and for me, I've never really been able to get my head around that either. Mm. So, 
how how would you actually like say you're in the middle of a field and you get yourself five seconds to a points being kicked or a goal's being kicked and you've actually got a second to gather mm. your thoughts after you've been a bit erratic? Mm. How do you actually? I know it's just a breath. Yeah, yeah. I know how to breathe one breath, but like, how would you explain it to me? It's a it's a way. Is it, it might be just focusing on one component of it. So it might be how the lungs expand or the mm-hmm. chest expands, and you might feel the rise and fall of it. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of recenters away from the ongoing particular thoughts that's going. You know, the ones the mind wanting to wander and and mm-hmm. so on. So it just kind of recenters you to where you are right now. Right. What do I need to do right now? Yeah. So a lot of time with the guys, I try and spend a lot of time talking about what do they need to do next. You know, so it's very technical or very instructive, but it's it's really like the inner coach, because mm. um, the mind will always wonder. It's not mm. really the issue. It's okay, but how to keep it more on track? Yeah. The breath is just that um, that kind of refresh. I, pro- I call it the refresh button. It's the yep. five. Yeah. You know, yeah. where we start again. If you got that five seconds and someone kicks a point, refresh. Okay, where do I, what do I need to do now? Mm. How am I going? You know, that. What do I need to do? And if you train it like. If you, if you actually call it the refresh button and, and they know that that's their go-to, it's something that maybe makes them feel comfortable as well and brings them back, you know, if it's a, if it's a habit? Yep. Yeah, is that probably... Because for me, with meditation, uh, if, I, if it's not working for me with, me with meditation, you talk about the breathing, uh, raising of the chest. Mine is... Um, I just it was in one of the Buddhify meditations. They talk about just focus on ju- um, just this. So... You're thinking just this, yep. just this. And the only things I'm thinking about is the air going in my nostrils and out my mouth. There's only yep. two things yep. and that's what runs through my head. Yep. So you just try and give them that um, that chest or the, or the couple of words or, or something like that and then yep. use it as their go-to throughout the game. Yep, that's right. Cool. Yep. What other, so what other practices do you have for like in-game, in-game uh, stuff? Or? For in-game? Look, the other one uh, that's probably that is fairly crucial as well. I think is when they come kind of on and off the bench. So, I think they're really good opportune times to be able to to switch off. Mm. Um, but it's really they get a little bit caught out of wares when they come back on again. So, yeah. um, a lot of them actually have some some difficulty kind of refocusing. It's right. like they, their mind rests and that it wants to stay there. Too relaxed. Yeah, yep. yeah. So it's almost like how to get them clicking back into gear again. Mm-hmm. And so they do different things. They'll remind themselves of their, their different focus points that they're trying to um, execute during the game. Some guys are actually quite more more physical. Like mm-hmm. They'll actually need to do something more physical before they jump on the ground or get bore in hand or something like that because it will just sharpen um, yep. their brain again back into, back into focus. But now well, the rotations are less, but then mm. it's the on and off kind mm. of component. Right. I think, and the, actually the other one I think is more important because of the, ro- the lack of rotations now is the physical fatigue they go through. So what I try and teach them with physical fatigue is it's just a sensation. Mm. It doesn't have to wreck you. So, physical fatigue for most of us is, you know, lactic acid and, and something pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's also a side to the brain of, I can't get going. Yeah. I'm cooked. Yes. Mm. I'm done. It means I want to give up or yeah. I want to finish. I want to end this, this to end right now. What I'm trying to teach them is, although they're understandable thoughts, they're the body telling the mind, it wants to quit. Yeah. You don't allow, that doesn't have to overpower you. Mm. They just have to be particular thoughts and you've just got to keep on focusing on what you need to do next. Huh. Yep. that's interesting because I've always thought of sports psychology as like like you say underperformance and, and zoning out and somebody overthinking things like we were discussing I never actually thought of it as being able to it, push uh, through the pain or? Yeah, make, yeah like use your fitness to a, a better degree because you're able to switch that mind off yep. so that's a big one too eh? so the mind and body have an ongoing relationship and so most of the time in, in my work it's about the mind trying to execute the body what it wants to do or needs to do 
Um, but a lot of time, the, the body is sending signals to the mind that then yeah. signals back to the body, yep, I'm quitting. <laughs> so Yeah. yeah. But there, there's classic examples of that sort of stuff. I mean, uh, on one of the first albums I ever bought was a oh, – I was – I think it was Battle of Los Angeles. It's a Rage Against the Machine album. And it had that Good famous album. photo of... Yeah, oh, fantastic. Oh, no, it wasn't that album. That is a great album. <laughs> but I think it was a self-titled one. Anyway, it had that famous photo of that uh, that Tibetan monk who set himself on fire as a protest for the Vietnam War. And that that is just... I would say, in terms of mindfulness, that's probably up there with the best, you know? Okay. I mean, that's just... I don't, I don't really have anything to say to this. But, Hang on, wait. What, what, well, have what? you seen that photo? Uh, no, I'm not sure. About so it's a photo. So this 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 monk in the during the Vietnam War, as a protest, set himself on fire and was able to stay present in the moment and not. I mean, apparently, what? But yeah, <laughs> apparently being burned is the, the mo- one of the most painful things mm. that can happen to you. That's insane. Yeah, it's insane. There's a video. I wasn't sure what you meant. I'm like, surely he's not saying what I think he's yeah, saying. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> there's, there's a video of YouTube of it. Like, I've seen it. It's it's pretty distressing stuff, you know, so I'm not going to say anyone out there that has been previously burned, <laughs> don't don't go look this up. Um, but uh, look, it's out there. I mean, that that sort of stuff's insane, but it just goes to show how this how far you can get with this sort of stuff. Yeah, walking you know? on the coals. Oh, well, I'd exactly. I walked right. on the coals, you know, at a Tony Robbins conference <laughs> yeah. thing or whatever. Yeah. Well, apparently about 30, 30, you did that recently in the US and... 30 of them had to go to hospital or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they changes their life. Changes yeah, yeah, their life. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Now they just um, have to pay money for their feet. No. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Do you feel, um, is there any correlation between um, people that have, or it makes sense to me that it would be a direct correlation, but it might not. People that have kind of ongoing anxiety, um, depression, like troubles off the field transfers to those same troubles on the field or oh, does totally. it not really work like that? Surely. Uh, well, uh, yeah, both. I mean, you absolutely can, mm. uh, but it doesn't have to is what mm. I'm suggesting. So, um, you know, sometimes we have like ang- anxious personalities, so they're going to be anxious off the field and, and off or more prone to it off yeah. and on the field. So, there's definitely a relationship there, but not but not always. There's, mm. there's people who are fairly calm, relaxed off field um, and they're really anxious kind mm. of on field. Really? And then there's people who, um, yeah, are anxious uh, off field, but when they get to playing... It's their um, outlet, yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah, they're they're pretty calm. Right. Um, they actually feel really comfortable. Yeah, they feel like they're at home. Yeah, another uh, well, another really good profession that's it's a good representation of that is comedians. Yeah, you know, yeah. Everyone sort of you probably hear heard a little bit about this. But... We had a comedian on the show oh, a couple right. weeks ago, and he was talking a lot about that. But yeah, what did he say? Well, do you know Adam Rosenbachs? Uh, no. Oh, good because he's listening to the show right now. So. <laughs> no, no, he was um he, he doesn't he from memory he doesn't do it too much as a, as an outlet or anything, but. You look, you think about the, some of the comedians out there that are publicly known to have depression and all that sort of stuff, and mm. they use the. I've got this weird theory, right? Mm. Where um, comedians, you know, we all know that they're so good at being able to view the world in weird ways. Mm. Because I believe, because they're sort of overthinkers, and mm. then because they're overthinkers, they're naturally prone to mental health issues. And, and that's why. And intelligent, yeah. Mm. And that's why they're so funny, because mm. they see the world like none of us do. Mm. But the dark side of that is they also see. A lot of the negative things that are out there, you know, is that? Do you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could talk more generally in this that with comedians about people that are overthinkers and intelligent are more prone to that. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the time comedians, it's, it's a place where they they can just release their alter ego. Oh yeah, it? yeah, exactly. You know, yep. I um I remember reading a. Do you know Quora? Quora. Q U O R A. The Indian Yeah, the Indian cuisine. It's a bit of balsamic rice, and you get some. Um, it's like a it's like a website where you can go online and ask any question in the world, and there'll be 
50 scholars at Alancey. Really? It's an awesome yeah. website. And yeah, I somehow cool. am on their mailing list. I don't know how or why, but they give me... <laughs> they give me the No, they give me all these... My inbox will have like, um, what would happen if you put an ant on Mars? And I'm like, hmm... That's an interesting question. And I'll just flick through so and I'll read, I'll read like 10 minutes of all these ridiculous like... Anyway, so... Are them useful? Yeah, no. So some of these, I don't know how I ended up on this list, but I'm glad it is because uh, I am because it's good. But I remember reading a Quora um, post about uh, intelligence and what's, what's somebody who's like high intelligence, like 140 IQ, something like that? Uh, yeah. Yep. So but once you get... Isn't it that once you get past... 140 or you get past like a high range of IQ then your risk of suicide and depression goes up like tenfold every 10 points of 10 points of um, IQ I don't think there's a direct correlation between the two but yeah there is there is that's a good kind of suggestion fucking Quora yeah Yeah. (laughs) unsubscribe yeah as uh, as someone that has an IQ of 246 (laughs) I can can assure you that that is not the case (laughs) Yeah, right. There's a gun in my bag. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a typical joke. Don't worry yeah. about that then. The but, Mental Health Week show. Uh, yeah, really good, good gag, Tommy. Yeah. Um, so what about these, um, going back to you talked about the um, programs yeah, that you've been running oh. through the Mind Room. Yep. So the, you talked about a program where you have six different um, courses you can choose. Six different mental skills. Me- mental, mental skills you yeah, can choose. Yeah, this is like, it's a bit of a, so, you know, usually we do these things a bit more of an expansive, but in this kind of come and dry, come and try days. You know, giving you six different skills over an hour of the day. So, you know, fairly just giving some good tasters mm-hmm. um, and allows you to kind of work out which ones you would like to choose. And obviously, there's, a, there's an all-day um, ticket as well you can get. Um, for a lot of people who haven't done any kind of mental skills before or performance skills, it's actually really good to do because yeah. then they kind of understand a little bit about what the psychology component's about um, and they're getting good tasters about, okay, what can they actually apply for their sport? So... Yep. Sorry, sorry, I keep cutting you That's off. That's right, because so I find different mental skills apply more depending on the sport you're in. Right, so this mm. is more, this is, this is sports psychology, these, yep. these, these six, mm-hmm. six parts. So what are some of the, um, what are some of the other practices in, in the six practices that you give to these people oh, so, for the oh, testers? Well, on this day, um, is one about goal getting, arousal control. So goal getting is really about how people set goals, but not many people how to get them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a bit of an application for that. Mm-hmm. Arousal control. So it's about how, uh, where you want your arousal levels when you perform. So it's not about what's right or wrong. It's working out what's the intensity that kind of works for you. Uh, other one is routines. So in a lot of closed sports, um, routines are super important mm-hmm. in terms of um, for the mind, you know, most people are quite good at routines behaviorally, but not um, psychologically. So closed sports? Yeah. So as in, more predictable sports? Yeah, so when you like diving, shooting, oh, yeah. you know, Weightlifting. where um, you're, you ex- you actually exercise the time you want to perform in. As opposed to the unpredictability of a football game. Yep. Okay, I'm with you. Yep. Yeah, because you, you, you have to perform, you have to be ready at all times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whenever you need to perform. Mm. Um, and I'm doing with my uh, sports psychologist in my room as well called Marina. She's doing this as well and she's doing something on uh, self-talk. Yep. Um, yeah, doing one on imagery, the different types of imagery you can do. Like recovering from injury, mastery injury, where you can visualize yourself performing at your best. Um, the other one we're doing is about, uh, you know, when coaches talk about um, controller controllables. Yeah. You know, what do they actually mean when they say that? What are the right. different factors that actually are involved in, in that? Mm. So it's just a bit of a catchphrase, but actually no one actually understands what it means. Yeah. Right. So we try yeah. and teach exactly what those specifics are. Okay. God, do you know, this is a massive tangent, but I feel the exact same way about when people say, sure, is it bananas? Bananas have potassium. It's like, okay, what's potassium? <laughs> uh, well, but just eat it. You know, it's got potassium. It's like, well, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. Yeah, hey, I know what it is. <laughs> hey, um, what do you? I was, oh, I just drew on something before, and I've yeah. 
How do you feel about routine? People that go through their routine and stuff. Because I feel, I used to have a lot of routines and it just kicked me in the ass because I felt like if one little thing went wrong, I was screwed, you know? Yeah, yeah you got to be careful with routines. So, and you know, routines, can, uh, there's, a, there's different, lots of different types of routines. So, we're not, the ones that we're going to be talking about on this particular day, we're talking about that, you know, the last, within 30 seconds before you actually have to do a performance. Mm. So, as opposed to preparation, you know, so... Um, you as the like you as the, the the AFL player. Yes. You would have maybe a routine or preparation the two days before and the night before, the morning of yep. when you arrive at the ground, blah blah blah. The ones that, and you can have them, that's okay. The ones we're sharpening in on is when you're going for goal. Okay. When you're about to lift something. Yep. Like what are you doing in those last fifteen seconds before you lift? Mm-hmm. What is your mind doing? Mm. At that point in time, that really, that, the really narrowing or zeroing in on that last uh, ten or fifteen seconds when you want to perform. However, you know, we also understand that, yeah, people like routines longer than that. Yeah. I think when you ask that question, you're talking about the more longer ones. Well, I mean, people have some bizarre routines, don't they? If I don't eat like this spaghetti, you know, Thursday night carbo loading or if I don't like yeah. this don't and that. They don't wear their lucky, lucky jocks lucky socks. on the Thursday before the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty, in my opinion, it's relatively Yeah, yeah. Dumb. So you've got to be careful. Some of them are, look, you've got to, preparation's important and I say to people, you know, Good preparation will give you the best possible chance of performance. So if it's predictable and something you know that works for you, absolutely repeat as much as you can. But you've got to allow for things to go wrong. So, you know, the cycling team, I mean, for example, there's so much to do. Bikes are so finicky little things that they have to kind of play with and Mm. toy with. Things can go wrong. Mm. Like you've got to adjust the gear or get the pressure right on the tyres or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's good to have routine, but you've got to have some flexibility around it Mm. as well, depending on your sport. Um, we actually had um, so we had before two shows before this is our third fourth show today yeah it is me and Tommy um, oh really sat down and we've, we've been on we've, we've been, been on, on since 6.30 this morning yeah because nice. yeah, when we have US guests on Skype it's normally got to be really early because it's like uh, evening for them or yeah. otherwise it doesn't really work okay. so we had one we had a guy um, Ben Bergeron who coached both um, the, 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 the CrossFit Games champions this year men and yeah. women All right. and he was talking about um, so Talking about maybe routines and, and habits and things going wrong. Mainly talking about things going wrong. So he had what he would do for his athletes is he would um, he would get them to write the list of as many things as they could think of that w- could and would go wrong in the competition. Yep. And then what happens if what's the worst thing that can happen and how do we address it in yep. that scenario? So they kind of felt like okay. uh, they kind of felt like even if it was their routine something went wrong. I suppose they knew that hey we've already mentally in the back of their head they're like we have technically planned for this. Yeah. It's not going to end the, the, the competition for me yeah. and it's also I know that I have to do implement this and this to get myself out of this problem I thought yeah. that was interesting I, yeah. heard that yeah. I, I heard um there's a sports psychologist in Britain who did exactly the same exercise for their Olympic team right they just put it out there they kind of they kind of flooded the idea of like the hundred worst case scenarios yeah. for all their athletes yeah. and went through it all and, and then actually did all the contingencies and spoke it out and then everyone got a copy of it so they knew how to mm. prepare for this year? that scenario this yeah. year uh, 2012 have you seen how good Britain have been going? Like their, their, yeah, their was, Olympic growth, yeah. their medal growth? They've, They've been, been going really well. Yeah, just consistently every year getting better and better and better. I was just going to say that. I wonder if that's solely related to... Mm. But it, it depends on the sport, doesn't it? Yeah. Like with AFL, how many more scenarios could you think of that, that yeah. wouldn't go wrong? You know, yeah. it'd just be tough. It'd yeah, you could think of a thousand scenarios in the AFL, but I mean, you could probably think of the, the more important... Yeah, the more, the more realistic. Yeah. And to be honest, it's kind of a little bit different because um, they're playing on a more regular basis. With these Olympic sports, they get one every four years. Mm. You know, you've got to get better prepared for it. Like mm. they're, you know, I feel 
those things are already going wrong each week as learning lessons anyway. Mm. So they just get the next week to, to bounce back. Mm. Hey, um, so let's go back to your some of your workshops you do with not sport-related um, people that sort of sign up for these things. How do you how do you introduce the the idea of mindfulness and meditation to people that are relatively skeptical about it? Because I know that for me it was such a profound influence on my life. But when I first started doing it, I was really not getting anything from it. Probably for the first nine to ten months, like yeah. I just thought breathing like this this is doing me nothing, you know, mm. all this and that. How do you sort of slowly introduce that idea? Well, really, it's about well. Generally, when the discussion comes, when you're actually coming up with the idea, is that they're coming, for, they're coming, they're presenting with some sort of issue, aren't they? Mm. Typically, people don't come off the street and say, "Hey, yeah, uh, what what can you suggest for me?" Yeah, so, they're coming to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll you know, so you got to actually be able to go. How can you apply it? What's you know, what's the purpose of this? Is it around um, they're feeling they're becoming really agitated all the time, or they can't relate to people, connect to people? Or they find that they're becoming really stressed at work. You know, they find they can't go to sleep because mm. they're their mind doesn't switch off. Yeah. You know, so you gotta you gotta tap into like what is it that's actually going on for them. Yeah. And then I guess the idea is okay, well then find the best technique that'll work for them for that scenario. Mm. Um, um, so does does with mindfulness as in like um, meditation and if someone comes in with deep depression, for example, is compared to someone who has an erratically anxious mind, yeah. would you say mindfulness is probably not the first go-to for the person with the, with the depression. Is because is depression like you have to talk about what got you to there, and then anxiety, the, your mind's too busy. Is that kind yeah. of it's a horses for courses, right? Uh, not necessarily. I don't think so. So okay. when we're talking about let's let's go call, instead of putting labels like in terms of depression, anxiety, let's just call it the emotions. Okay. So obviously, depression is sadness, anxiety is anxiety. Um, they're kind of pretty regular emotions that we have. Yep. I find in both scenarios, a lot of the time, it's our relationship with those emotions that are the issue. So as you as you're aware, as as mindfulness practitioners, it's actually just acknowledging things for what's there, either be thoughts or emotions or physical sensations, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, a lot of the time, I find with people who are depressed, is it's not the sadness that they feel; it's their relationship with that sadness. So if I feel sad, there's got to be something wrong with me. There's something catastrophic going on in my life. What's wrong with me? I can't mm-hmm. feel sad. It's not. You know, uh, you know, I'm living in a. Real, I'm a first world um, person. How can I be feeling sad? Yep. And they start, you know, really getting hard on themselves yeah. for being so. So it's that relationship of having that emotion that's the issue. What mindfulness can, I guess, assist you with is actually seeing the emotion for how it is and accept it. Totally. I guess being non-judgmental about it and learning that it exists in all of us. Mm-hmm. And once we accept that, you'll actually find that the emotion has less power. Yep. Mm. Totally. I think the the best lesson I ever learned in in all of this was that. They use the analogy of um, when you clench your fist and you say, my fist is clenched. You don't say, I'm clenched. So then why would you say, when you have an angry thought, why would you say, I'm angry, as mm. opposed to, oh, there's just an angry thought there. Yep. And like the more you detach that. Yeah, so is it going on with what Bill's saying? Bill was asking if there were two different things, but mindfulness teaches you just to relax and look at it um, separate as just what they are, thoughts and emotions. Yep. And then the more you let those pass through, they can really help with depression and anxiety in any sort of mental health issue. Yeah. And yeah. anger as well. Like anger is another really common presentation. Um, and so the, the the variation really about that is, okay, but because we try and get really physical with it as well sometimes. So where do you feel things in the body when you have these emotions? So anger, it could be in the fists and so on. In the jaw, it could be in the, the heart beating. Sadness mm. could be the pit of your stomach. 
and people will be able to talk about the different areas where they actually feel the emotion in their body. Mm. That's probably the variation with it. Mm. That's so true. That's interesting. I never actually thought that you know how um, I never actually thought that you could feel actual sensations yeah. in your body from yeah. certain things that are going on. I didn't and then even that. once back in the day, I've only like had a like. A, been, you know how people say heartbroken? Yeah. Like, I've only been really super upset about a relationship once. And uh, and I was talking to one of my mates about it. I still few, like you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> talking to one of, the, talking to one of the, uh, the the boys about it a month after it, uh, it, it, all, it all happened. I got uh, basically didn't get what I wanted in the way of a relationship. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be with this, this girl and she didn't really want that. Yep. And, um, and I was talking to one of my mates about it and uh, he goes, yeah, like, how's it all going? And I, and I said to him, man, do you know what's going on right now? He goes, what? Well, I said, my heart is hurting. Yeah. Like, I feel chest pain, like daily. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, I was like, because uh, you know how you, you see like movies and you, you hear mainly chicks, guys obviously don't normally talk about, oh my God, I got heartbreak. But... Um, <laughs> But I, I, I realized, I'm like, this is strange. This yeah. is an actual, definite, definite physical feeling. How yeah. does that work? What's going on with, what's going on when that happens? As I said, the mind body always have a connection. They mm. always kind of talking to each other. That, that never ends. Never. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. So if you're stressed, like, or you're nervous in the pit of your stomach. That's your mind telling your your stomach to hey act up play weird we're we're under we're under stress here yeah yep so it's a sign and it's a, and it's actually a good sign for our minds to go I need to take care of myself here yeah. for most for most people it's like oh I've got to find some safety because mm. um I'm feeling I'm feeling under threat yeah in yeah danger. yeah it's like a survival yeah. mechanism yeah God it's amazing isn't it I'm just thinking of all the the different feelings I'll, I'll sometimes get that are totally related to the, the emotions I'm feeling at the time yeah yeah that's amazing yeah. Mm. Wow. And, it's, and it varies for different emotions and it varies for different people, of course. Yeah. People, because it's not like you don't have it in your, but you also have it in spots that are stronger than others or you identify with that area more exactly. for whatever reason. Exactly. I was just thinking, oh, for my example then, I was just thinking, you know, we people get really worried when they feel like a, a heart chest or something, a, a, you know, heart pain when it's probably sweet. I mean, that's a strong emotion but uh, or a strong sensation. But when we example, when we laugh, you know, to the point where I can't get up off the chair and I'm feeling a lot of pain in my stomach. It, that's like a good pain, so I don't recognise it as an issue. Yeah. It's interesting, really. Well, it's the same physical sensation. It's the same, it's yeah. like the same. Tighten up here. Yes, 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 yes. And you guys will notice it as trainers, you know, there's a difference between dom soreness and. And I've actually really hurt myself here. I need to go yeah. see someone about it. And yeah. like a Reiki. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I need to go get some Reiki. Yeah. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Reiki. Hashtag Reiki. Got a Reiki. Um, have a Reiki session. <laughs> Gonna go get raked. Um, oh. So, so you like that one, Tommy? I just thought it was Wasn't funny. that good? Sounds sound, sound like something else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what um, I I actually wasn't meaning in the in the, uh, the rapey terms, yeah. but so consensual um, Reiki. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. I've lost lost the plot. Um, what I was going to say is, um, how much does uh, how much does nutrition come into when someone walks in the door? Do you talk through people with what they're actually eating, what they're putting in their body? Because if you're going to be feeding yourself shit all, all day every day, yeah, yeah. So the main ones, uh, the main lights we find is, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're all good nutrition. Obviously, what we fuel ourselves with has an influence on our bodies and therefore our moods. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. The main, one, um, me, 
The main one that comes out to me is particularly around anxiety, so caffeine and sugar. Yeah. Because they elevate. So basically, you remember, anxiety can start off in the, in the mind or in the body. So if you actually lift up, um, if you actually eat sugar and caffeine. I've completely lost it. I'm so sorry. sorry I've completely lost it. about sugar and caffeine. This is my worst never. nightmare right now. I'm losing it. I'm <laughs> never happened before. Yeah, I know. You lost me with that consensual. <laughs> sorry, Mike. <laughs> Oh, fuck Yeah, no, no good No good Alright, I'm going to sit down here for a second I'm just going to let you talk Should we start again? Yeah, we probably no, should we'll just, No, we can just We can just We'll keep we'll recording It's classic We'll get, we'll get our shit together It's yeah. absolutely classic Anyway Sorry, so But in all seriousness Because people talk about um, People talk about the fact that people go to the doctors To get mental health plans And the doctors don't Very often um, actually ask what's your diet like and really look into that side of it and then when they get referred on to you though you do um, it depends I wouldn't say yeah look we would there is something we would look at I mean it's a lifestyle factor there's different types of lifestyle factors we need to kind of look at yeah so nutrition would be one of them but as I said in particular um, around anxiety things like yeah caffeine um, caffeine and sugars and actually really a lot of the times sometimes a lot of the prescribed medications so mm. even those energy drinks now and etc cetera, etc cetera, um You'd be surprised now in terms of what people can apply themselves to. They can get things legally. So, for mm. example, energy drinks and caffeine and sugar, and then find some ways to to dumb down that night, like yep. prescribed medication. Yeah. So, with the really that it kind of teaches the body that you need that. So you do the same thing over and over again each day. Mm-hmm. So it's something we would kind of ask about or investigate about, but yeah, it depends on what else comes up in the conversation and right. their presentation. So it's more stimulants, but. Yeah, I just think there's a really interesting, I don't think, I don't know, what do you think? I don't think, it doesn't seem like it's explored that much. So, say for example, say for example, somebody comes in, I'm not saying you're doing a bad job or doctors do a bad job, obviously you studied in what you studied, but someone comes in and they're eating McDonald's five days a week for the last three years. Mm. You know, surely that's got to have- food, food is a drug. Like I remember one of, the, one, of the first things, one of the first things you asked me when- um. I came to see you was, you know, have, have you had any um, past experiences on drugs, you know, and, and things like that. And um, I reckon it has a massive factor. Like, mm. I remember I had a panic attack once doing a, a public speak because um, when I was making a... Doing a um, public speak. Doing a public speak. When I was making <laughs> you a speech... You didn't say that, did you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Thanks for giving me the opportunity uh, <laughs> yeah. No, when I was speak. doing a talk, um, because I'd had a coffee before that and yeah. I never drink coffee, you yeah, know. Yeah. And, like, food, Bill just said the example of... McDonald's and McDonald's is a drug yeah. and food is a drug. I'm, I'm sure there would be, and that would be so closely related to yeah. mental. Well, you know, and there's, and you know, when you explain that situation, the first thing, there's two different types of way we look at nutrition as well, isn't it? It's like um, how it affects us psychologically, but also um, how it affects our body. Yeah. And therefore, then you've got a body about, image yeah. component. Because oh, if, okay. Yeah. You know, because you've got mm. the, the issue around, well, I'm feeling overweight and blah, 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 and I really like how I look and mm. et cetera, et cetera. Then you're dealing with another kind of another uh, factor on top of that. Mm. But I mean, yeah, I think, look, we've got a, at the moment, we've got a health psychologist who's really interested in gut health and she's really into the type of food we put in the body um, is really, really important. Yeah. And that she believes there's a real psychological component in terms of our gut health. Mm. So you obviously we're talking about like food intolerances, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, yep. and how they can affect us um, psychologically. And I think there's some merit there. It's just like chronic pain. Yeah, you know, if you walk around in chronic pain, it has effect on us psychologically. Oh, yeah, totally. that's more what I was. Th- I wasn't even thinking down the lines of obviously image, image portrayal. Like if you are overweight or skinny or or 
too skinny. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was more thinking about like the food, what it actually does to yeah. our to our insides and our mm. system. If you're just eating crap, yeah. Um, it's just I just I just find it really interesting. Yeah. Because I I don't understand any of that. Un, like what your gut biome does to yeah. your, your energy yeah, levels yeah, yeah. and your system and your mindset. I don't understand a lot of it because it goes kind of goes over my head. Mm. But I listen to some podcasts. I've yeah. listened to stuff about it. It's very interesting to me. So I thought I would ask. Yep. Um, but it's, a, it's an area that's probably. Not fully tapped in, in terms of psychological component anyway. I mean, I think yeah. there's enough nutrition and, and mm. dietary information out there yeah. and fads and so on. But yeah, oh, exactly. how it's being pulled together psychologically, yeah, I think there's there's room for growth. I know, as I said, the, the health psych at um, Mindroom, it's something that she really wants to explore further. Mm. Do you use some of those ideas into your own uh, practice outside of the outside of the profession? For me personally, yeah. or just with other teams I consult well, with. For you personally, like, would you look at your the diet and yep. you know all that sort of stuff? Yep. yep. Yeah, I think it's it's. I think when you're in the health field, you, you can't help but tap into other areas that you know all kind of cross over at some point, don't you? And then you know, obviously, if you you know you want to practice what you preach a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely kind of mindful of you know what my diet's like and and so on and so forth. Do you know anything about the ketogenic diet? No. Mm. Oh, it's just a so the ketogenic diets when um, you eat predominantly fat as your fuel source. Yeah. So you're obviously going to still get your protein in. Um, you just limit your carbs to, I think it's like ten percent of your daily intake, and then yep. there's a huge portion is fats, good fats obviously, and then protein just your regular portion. Yep. And then after a couple of weeks, your body will start to run on, uh, your body will start to run on fat, and it produces ketones in your yep. brain, yep. which. I don't understand. Again, if you read the bulletproof diet, you know the bulletproof diet. Yeah. Is fat. That that's basically the ketogenic diet. Yeah. Um, and it's just um, interesting. Yeah, I'd like to learn more about why because they say it gives you a sharper uh, mental acuity. Yeah. Like you're able to process things a lot faster when your brain's running on ketones. And I don't know anything about it, so it's something that I would love to look into. I wanted to try it for myself because I went through some stuff that I was feeling pretty shit before I went to this US trip, and the US trip was really not very enjoyable for me the people were great I made some great friends all that stuff but like had a lot of stress going on okay. and um, that's when I talked to you when I got back yep. um, briefly but um, I wanted to look into the ketogenic diet just to see if surely if your brain's functioning faster and you're, you're feeling smarter yep. they, 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 a lot of people use it to feel smarter and, and yeah, right. be a better more efficient businessman or entrepreneur yep. yeah I, I wanted to test it out because surely if you're feeling tip top up here yeah. You're gonna feel pretty good Everywhere else. in your mental state, I think. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I know one guy who who did that as well. He had some. He had some other kind of health issue, and he switched to that. And he's in the health profession as well. He swears by it. Everything's, yeah. you know, have it really changed, and all his blood levels completely changed. Yeah. Uh, um, and when he actually, he actually did it, um, he actually did it behind <laughs> his kind of doctor's back about what he was doing, and said, "But do my retesting and just to see what he likes." Wow, what have you done? It's amazing. And he told him what he had done, which is really? generally against the medical advice. Yeah, and he yeah. was kind of blown away. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the only thing is, it's really all this, isn't there? Yeah, well, there's and so also many new sustainable. Is exactly. Yeah. You know, so I'm not saying it. You know, you got you got to find something that's sustainable for you. Yeah. That's what the hardest thing is with a ketogenic diet. It's yeah. just hard. Yeah. Like you got to you're eating nuts. Yeah. You're eating with your protein you're trying to get as much fish in as possible and you're eating shitloads of avocado yeah yeah like how many other real good like dense fat consumptions or uh products are there that you can get enough fat in yeah. exactly so like it's just really he was yeah. like fatty he was just going he's like a butcher and eating a whole lot of fatty meats yeah, yeah. a lot of fat on yeah eating it all you know yeah that's right and i yeah i hear really good responses for it so 
I'm going to try it at some point. It's just, like I say, it's just really hard to actually get everything in place and work. Because if you go and have a, a couple of cheat meals, you drop out of ketosis and then it takes a while to get back. It's a bit of, you know. How long does it take to get back into it? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not actually, I'm uh, not, there's no point me going too much into yeah. it, really, because I don't know enough about yeah. it. I'd be I just reckon if I did. I'd be so far out of it, given the fact that I had one large <laughs> oak chocolate milk, a pie, and a sausage roll this morning for breakfast at the local 7 Eleven. Really? Yeah. You know, look, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an athlete. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, you, you got to have cheat meals. And uh, I'm aware of that. Yeah, three, yeah, three in one city. Uh, what was that, sorry? Chocolate milk is high in recovery. Yeah, it is. Yep. Uh, sausage chocolate milk was probably the, the healthiest thing. <laughs> That's what it probably was. The pie was, um, I've got, I've got the it sweats right now so <laughs> sausage roll I think I've currently got that was cancer disgusting man <laughs> it was shocking I felt really unhealthy obviously you trained really hard this morning you slept really hard yeah I slept really hard yeah yeah cool so if we're, if we're talking about somebody coming in so we're not talking about sports psychology but mm. someone's just coming in um, we, we in our conversations we talk a lot about um Meditation yes. in the me, yeah. me and Tommy specifically, and yeah. then us specifically when you've been on the show. Yeah. So, it, my grandfather had depression um, for forty years. He was medicated and, and stuff. Um, aside from medication, how do you fight an illness like that? I mean, obviously, meditation. You're going to be saying meditate daily and all this, but what other stuff do you attack an illness like that with? Well, illness is different to mental. Yes, yes. Sorry, so, sorry. Well, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there's variations, of course. And you've you got to remember there's, you know, to set up the platform is there's, there's variations of mental health too. So, yeah, when I hear about your grandfather having depression for 40 years, I go, okay, he was, I imagine, he was, and he was medicated. Is that right? He was medicated from when he was 38, I think. Yeah. And then uh, the he had a life. mental breakdown and yep. then from stress and then he was medita- medi- medicated and he was great. He was the life of the party, the most outgoing guy really loved everyone really stood proud and, and I never knew until he yeah. was 60 I think he died when he was 67 he killed himself and I think he they changed his medication they took it off the market and just did it just varied it basically yeah. and then they so he stayed on it but they just changed it a little bit and then for the last two or three years of his life he was he behaved uh, kind of like you see in a movie of someone with really heavy depression, like doesn't yeah. look anyone in the eyes, yeah. sits in their chair, won't talk to anyone. And I had all these um, cousins and uh, all my little cousins. I really felt the worst for my little cousins because I knew him as the great, great. I called him Super, yeah. Super Grandpa. That was his. That was his name. And um, I knew him as the like he was like a the life of the party hero of mine, kind of you know. Yeah. And they, my my little cousins loved him like you love any of your grandparents, but mm. they didn't even see that side of him. He was yeah. this shell of a person that they mm. saw and they loved him, you know. But yeah, so that's the story behind my grandpa basically. But he was um, yeah medicated for forty years. Okay, yeah right. So yeah, there's different. Um, I guess there's different types of mental illness as well, mental health. So there are a lot of people who are who only delve in the mild, moderate kind of range. Mm. So and that would be you know so when we talk about you know one in four, one in five people establishing mental illness. It kind of takes up this whole platform of some like any other physical health issue. They can be quite mild or moderate, and then they can be well, more kind of very severe. Yeah. So you know when a I hear your grandpa like that, it's probably more in the the severe kind of range. Yeah. So our, our approach, depending on where they're where they're at, and we can kind of measure that by both testing and through interviewing, gives us an idea about what they what they most need. Now, there's different philosophical approaches with this, but for me, I'm someone who if there's two significant intervention points. There's um, there's medication and there's therapy. You know, so 
obviously uh, psychiatrists and GPs do the medication side of things, psychologists and so on do the, the therapy kind of component. Although some psychiatrists do the therapy component too. Um, so where they sit is typically uh, where we, we can actually say, okay, this would be the best form of treatment for them. Right. Um, but a lot of evidence when you get to severe onwards, you know, they're severe or extremely severe mode and particularly long-term, it appears that medication is required as long as, as well as therapy. Yeah. I was just going to ask, is it so when it's very severe, do you use the, the, the medication as like a numbing so that you can work productively with therapy? I would call it more of a stabilization, stabilization. than the numbing. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes, and the issue around medication, of course, is getting the right one. Yeah. You know, so this is the hard part. I think people get, uh, it, you know, you really hope that it works early because people get fairly disheartened. People don't like the stigma of being on medication. So yeah. um, if they have side effects or they feel like it's not working or they're not adhering to it, it can kind of really upset the work. Yeah. Um, a lot but, of people feel numb, they say. Yeah, their emotions are numb. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Had, I had a, I've had. Because I've had this little bit of anxiety and stuff going on the last couple of years or whatever, I've spoken to a lot of people about it and they've given, you know, a lot of people have given me their side that they've been personally through the same stuff and they've either been, medic- either been medicated or not. And the mm. ones that have been medicated, it's been so varied. I've had a couple of people that I know that said, don't, and I never really wanted to unless I really, really, really needed to because of mm. obviously what happened with grandpa. Um, and just in general, you don't want to get a medication yeah. if you don't have to. But um, a lot of people were... Um, Said that it just numbed their senses one hundred percent, and then they didn't have, they didn't have any really super negative thoughts, but they had no joy in life as yeah, well. And yeah. then, but then on, on the other hand, and this is a really close friend of mine. I was speaking about him on the show, but I won't mention his name. Um, he's actually just got on medication, and it's bloody awesome. Mm. I'm so happy for him because he's one of the greatest guys ever, and it's gotten him back to where he always was and how yeah. he should be. And he yeah. feels at the moment from I talked to him a bit and. He feels like it's just been nothing but a positive influence. He yeah. doesn't have that numbing. He's just like, I feel like myself again. Yeah. Really? He's really happy. With it. Yeah, yeah, he's really, really happy with it. And that's what my friend, another friend of mine, um, my friends, my best mates, one of my best mates' cousins yep. said the same thing. She's been, never would guess it. She just, but she, she had the same thing. She, she um, felt like it just got her back to being her. Hmm. As opposed to, yeah, some people who just say it just kills all their senses. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Look, I think those two examples are, are, are pretty typical examples I've heard. I've heard mm. both of those um, fairly frequently. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it's, a medic- it's one form. And I, I think what I try and try and encourage people to do is, okay, if the first one doesn't work, like it does numb you, you don't like that side effect or they have other side effects, you know, it's worthwhile, keep on trying with some others because there's, there's a lot out there. Yeah. And, you know, Definitely. where there's not some kind of test you can do, okay, your brain needs this specific one. And, yeah. Um, unfortunately, in the in the medical world, it, we don't get it right the first time. Trial and error. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's hard. I mean, I just yeah. When it when it's mental health, like every person's mind is just so unique, and you know, and, and it's, it's so subjective to to say this medication will work for you mm. and it will work for you. Yeah, that's yeah. It's hard to um, put it into groups. Yep. Don't you reckon? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So. One thing I've always wanted to know, so we're talking about ways that you treat anxiety and depression. So always think of The Sopranos. You ever watch The Sopranos? Yeah. And Tony Soprano goes in and it's... Oh, did you see it, Tony? No. Did you watch it? No. It's just like a... Um, the Sopranos, obviously, it's an ongoing part of the series is Tony Soprano sitting down with his counsellor yep. and a psychologist and just talking about all the shit he's done and his oh, yeah. family and all that. And I've always wondered, it just sticks, when I think of sitting down with a psychologist, I think of Tony Soprano. <laughs> oh dear. Is he, like, yeah. is he like lying down on a bed and 
No, he's not, he doesn't lie down on the bed, but you think yeah. about that as well. He just sits yeah. in a chair, but, but they have this discussion. So how does that actually work in terms of, in terms of um, helping somebody get out of uh, depressive states and stuff? How does it actually... Look, I don't know if I'll use uh, the Tony Soprano example <laughs> yeah. as, uh, as one, but look, for me... Um, when someone engages on a, on a mental health uh, on a mental health scale, I reckon the the most important part to start off with is them actually under you're you're helping them best understand their illness. If mm. that makes sense. So a lot of time people are really confused about what's actually happening with them. Mm. And I actually think we've got what's what we call psychoeducation. If we can teach the client actually exactly what's going on, what are the trigger points? What are the particular issues? Why happens and when? What are the different emotions, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Yep. How they're possibly avoiding some areas in life that are unhelpful. Once we kind of give them the landscape of that, it actually gives them a lot of power because then they go, "Hey, on, I can actually do a lot about this. Mm. I'm actually not the whim of this illness." There's all these scenarios that Michael has talked to me about that I actually go, "Okay, I can do something about that." There. Yep, I'm empowered to change that. There. Yeah, I can alter this relationship, whatever it might be. Um, right, and it gives them. Once you, I, I'm a very. I, I actually whiteboard it for them. I actually give them a, a framework and, and 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 educate exactly what's going on for them psychologically. But the the best thing about it, I think is you know what I look at it and go which ones do you think you can change? Mm. Which ones do you think you can adjust right now? Mm. So it could be things around you know diet is that, or it could be about a particular relationship. Mm. It might be a particular type of thinking pattern. Um, it might have been something they're still really angry about twenty years ago. Um, do you do that with the, with the putting them on the on the board because um, people some people are visual learners rather than yep. yeah that's well, there's that component as well but sometimes it's good to put it in a picture isn't it, mm, it and is. see exactly what it Just is see what's on yeah and you're connecting it this is leading to that yeah leading to that and they go now I get it because mm. my um, my business coach Ariane he he's also very good with mindset really he's he's like he's kind of like my psychologist as well as my business mm-hmm. coach and there was one particular when i got back from the u.s i was emailing him in the u.s going oh, I'm, I'm done with this i've had this happen i can't believe it. i'm just i was like pretty low ebb business wise okay and um when i got back with our, our only catch up with him i was telling you only to show uh, once a fortnight for an hour so like i'm paying a lot of money for that to get business insights mm-hmm. but we spent that whole end up being about two hours spent that whole time talking about mindset and mindfulness and whatever and he put it all on the board and yeah, when he actually drew it out and he, he drew like um, problems that I have, like I'm a, um, I don't know, I don't provide myself time for myself. So he drew, he drew on a chart, he goes, this is when I give you a task, this is when the task should be done, you do the task here. So for the listeners, I've drew, I've, I'm, I'm a, I'm, a meter is basically the, 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 the width of the timeline and then I'm doing it as, uh, an inch later. Three centimeters. An inch later, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, what's next? And I realized that, and I, when he, but... That was one of the things that, that he, he drew. But when he drew it up on the board, it made heaps of sense. And I actually got him to screenshot it. Uh, not screenshot it. Um, uh, take a photo and email me the photo. I've still got the photo in my yeah. emails to kind of refer to because it just made heaps yeah. of sense to me. Yeah, I do that too. Mm. Take photos of whatever I draw up there, you know, what we're talking about and send it to them and um, they sit on it and they kind of read it. And then they, actually t- then they can actually see why when things play out during their week in between when they see me next, um, they can actually refer to it and go, okay, now understand what's happening here. So just the awareness identification is a really important component, and you, yeah. if you don't, if you don't have that early, and you can't explain it to them, or they don't understand it themselves, how can you intervene? Yeah, like how can you possibly Absolutely. put the interventions in place unless we both 
understand yeah. it well. They've got to be completely honest with you as well, don't like. Yeah, like you, I imagine that the first, yeah, like the first couple of times they're walking, you get some people that are maybe in denial about something, or they're not aware of it, and they wouldn't be telling you the whole scenario. And yep. uh, are you pretty aware of that when those people present themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and so you just, you know, to me, I go quite understandably. You met me for the first time. This can be really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah, you need to. I need to establish some trust with you. Yeah, and once you have that, maybe we, we can work. Better work better together. Mm. The hardest part about our job is um, patience. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, clients uh, clients want things uh, a lot of the time now. Yeah. They want one or two sessions. Let's go. Yeah. Um, we're talking about the last thirty years of your life. It's going to be yeah. hard to do that. Mm. You know. Um, For sure. Yeah. Hey, um, I've got a um, relatively personal question. If that's cool with you, um, I was wondering what led you onto the path of getting into. Um, mental health and if, if something traumatic happened in your life that made you rewrote? Yeah, look, I think, um, look, I, you know, I, I don't want to go into it because just in case I don't want to expose the person on, sure. on, on, on air or anything like that. But yeah, there's definitely a personal scenario I went through in my teenage years that affected not just me, but family and other people around me. And I, and I think that had a bit of a, a long-lasting sense of mm-hmm. um, this. And I remember, actually, I didn't even do psychology in year 12. Um, I only started at uni, so it was in my second year, and I, I came across a particular component. I realised that um, what this person had gone through, and it really um, had an impact on me. And, it, and I just uh, just initially engaged with it, mm. in that particular component of psychology, and it was really it related to her, and um, that kind of really inspired me. I could mm. see myself going. So there's a lot of good in this. Yeah. Um, this is an area I'm really really interested in in mm. taking on. Yeah. So what about um, what about when you're sitting down with someone and you're, you're nutting out um, things in their past? So you talk about putting stuff on a board and talking about what's going on with you now. So just again, my example was that example of I do things too quick and I want to get on to the next thing, and which is all well and good, but mm. I don't provide time for myself. And I'm very much not a high-energy person, mm. so I need to have that time to... So I yeah. establish that by having this conversation. So it's written up on the board. I'm like, oh, that makes total sense, mm. you know, like you say. But... Um, what about when somebody comes to you and they have something that you can't change? So something that's like obviously something in their past that mm. their their father was you know abusive or they watched mm. something horrific happen to one of their friends or so, something like that. Something that's yeah. set. How do you get around that scenario? Yeah. So like there's a past trauma. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah. I mean, again, it's that relationship with that trauma. Most of the time, it's because it's still impacting on them as it did as it happened yesterday. Mm. So it's because a lot of the time um, they're avoiding it, or or it's having a subconscious impact on them. So so a lot of the time, unfortunately, to kind of go back there and kind of relive it and re-experience it to kind of mm. change its shape, and that allows you to um, kind of go forward with it again. So you it's what you you are changing, but you're changing your relationship with that incident. If that makes sense, it so your the way you think about it and feel about it changes. So how do you go back and relive it then? How does that actually play out? Yeah, we can do, uh, the way I do it is through imagery. So mm-hmm. I do it through visualization and actually re-experiencing it. But a lot of time when people have these experiences, uh, they haven't talked about it ever, yeah, or for a long time. And so it's actually you'd be actually surprised at how lack of detail it is. And when they actually go into talking about it further into a deeper and you keep on kind of going through it really deeply, they actually, a lot of, most of the time, they come in and go, it actually wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Because it's out there now. Yeah. Is that why journal writing works so well? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You just see for what it actually is. And yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bill and I have definitely taken on that. Are you still yeah. doing your journal yeah. writing? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, missed yesterday. I hate it when I miss a day. Yeah. Um, I only started journal writing because Tommy was t- talking about it. So now in, in the mornings, we nearly talk about this every show. Yeah. Now in the mornings. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah, yes. But what I have is, a, it, is there a particular structure to it? We do. We have some structure, yeah. I'll show you mine. Yeah. Mine's just, yeah. Mine's pretty similar. <laughs> oh, no, mine's in my bag over there. I won't get it out. It's just like a little, mine's a little book and literally all I do is write three points that I'm grateful for and they might be two two lines. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know whether this is right or wrong. It's just the way I've been doing it. But I don't spend more than five minutes on it. Yeah. Not, even, not even close to that. Yeah. I'll, I'll write something down. If something's negatively impacting me, like I've been having this... I've got the national... I fly to Brisbane this afternoon to oh. compete in the National Championships yeah. weightlifting. Um, and the last three months, or probably two months of training have been horrible. They were all right until I went to the US and I didn't get a chance to train. When I came back, far out, three weeks, and yeah. I'd really just gone... Lost everything. Yeah. Pull, strength-wise and stuff. Yeah. So, and I was just having a real tough run. So, if I'm feeling particularly bad about weightlifting, what I'll do is I'll write, um, I'm really grateful that I'm able to um, train with my friends at my weightlifting club because I had back injuries I couldn't even train. Yeah. So, it's my favorite place to be. So, it's not all bad. Yeah. You know, it's just, I'm not going to win the, uh, the Olympics. Yeah. You know, so I try and frame negative things in a positive way. Yeah. And then also, there's basically just that. And then if I can't think of anything, like I say, I'm, I'm busy and I just want to get a quick win. I, I, I just, I'll write something pretty broad down. Like yep. I'm really happy to have this roof over my head, mm-hmm. you know, yep. because yep. I do. Yep. And there's so many people that don't. So I don't actually, I was talking to my mate, uh, Asher, who listens to the podcast um, about this practice as well. He was just talking, we're talking about some stuff and, mm-hmm. and I was telling him how um, he should try it. And he's like, oh yeah, but what would I think? I'm like, man, there's so many things to be grateful for. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't have to be totally. creative. Yeah, people think of to. like they've got to think of the next overseas holiday yeah. or yeah. you know winning Tats Lotto or yeah. you know something that really it's not it could be just the appreciation of someone smiled at you as you walk past them in the yeah. morning. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, so that's me. In the mornings now, I have a I have a warm shower, finish on the cold shower for a couple of minutes, and then I meditate and I'll journal and I try and read. So it's really good. But the the gratitude stuff, I actually felt like nearly more than anything hmm. that had nearly more than even meditation that had a positive impact on me. Yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of um, lot of good evidence for gratitude journal and happiness. Mm. Yeah, because um, mm. it's just it's, positive energy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, and it gives us perspective. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So think about the times when you were feeling down. You could have easily sunk into that further, couldn't you? Mm. You could have really um, let that surround you for a long period of time. But it's a simple question of things that you can appreciate. What you do have allows you to go, okay, actually, there's a bit of balance to this. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. It's never all that bad. Well, yeah, already really we should good, uh, simple task that. Anyone can do, and um, as I said, it takes you five minutes a day. Yep. Have you got um? Have you got good do bad I? science? Do you? Have you got good uh, bad uh, science? Oh, I've got it. Oh, I didn't realize you had it. Let's go. I've got what the good do you bad got? Science. We haven't done the good the bad and science for a while. It's been a while. Yeah, we've had a lot of Skype interviews and a lot of um, um ones with just me and Bill. So this this is gonna be fun. I'm excited about it. <laughs> I remember it from last time. <laughs> yeah, you remember that. Yeah, I'm talking about trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. At least you didn't you didn't get a song this time. Yeah, you didn't get true. That's right. Well, uh, hey, that's not traumatic. <laughs> Naked man exposes his sausage at Waffle House. <laughs> a witness said, I wouldn't know how to tell my kid what was going on at the time. He was built like a potato. A man has been found showing his waffle at a Waffle House. <laughs> a Georgian man is facing public indecency charges after allegedly trying to force his way into a Waffle House while stark naked. Bashir Rashid, 36. You know Bashir Rashid. <laughs> know him well. Yeah. He's a, he's a funny... We've had him on the show, actually, Bashir. He's, um, he's in fine dining. Okay. I've mashed waffles with him. Yeah. You have to. That's right. The uh, hamal. <laughs> ba- 
Bashir Rashid, 36, was arrested June the 7th after he drove his BMW to a Waffle House in Sandy Springs, got out of the car and tried to enter the restaurant without clothes. Now, this got me thinking, guys. What are some of the weirdest things you guys have done whilst completely naked? Now, Bill, I reckon you've done about 50 of them. <laughs> give, give us one. Give us one. And then we'll um, uh, move over to Mike. Ooh, really? Weird things I've go. done. <laughs> weird things I've done while... Apart from the last show. <laughs> while completely naked. Um, I've done a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of silly things completely naked. Yeah. Probably the silliest was... I think we spoke about it, though, the other day when I jumped out of that tree naked. Oh, yeah. Why we, were you naked um, again? Because uh, we thought it would be funnier. It is always funny. <laughs> what happened, Michael, was we're talking about... We're actually talking about it on the other show because I thought talked about how much dumb stuff I've done when I was young and when I was, like, wasted, basically. Yeah. And uh, me and my friend broke into a um, primary school once and the the, the um, pool had a mat over it. So we had beers with us. We decided to... We had three mates. So one of them was a film where me and, me and Sugar, my mate, were, um, were, the, were the ones that had gone through it. So we made this clip where uh, one of them was standing there naked. We cheers our beers... And then it was a run across the pool naked while you scull a beer off. So there was three things you could win. No, two things you could win. You could win the sculling of the beer and you could win the running across the pool naked. So that's... Look, I don't really need to go any further. That's pretty, pretty stupid. And then we, jumped out of, um, then we jumped out a couple of trees um, into the pool. I've got a really big fear about running across like a pool with a mat on it. Because mm. I feel like if I just fell in there the mat would engulf me yeah, and I would yeah, drown yeah. Yeah, that's, well, that's yeah, how my yeah, grandpa yeah. killed himself that's the first thing I think about that's, that's exactly. how my grandpa killed himself really is yeah, it really who I was talking about before because wow. he couldn't swim that well and he um, ducked under the the matting of his oh. best friend's pool yeah and because uh, he knew he wouldn't really be able to get out yeah see that freaks me out mm. anyway moving on the bad yeah. Parents are turning to marijuana. Oh, no, hang on a second. <laughs> oh, you almost got past oh, me there. Oh, it's like nodding my head. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Don't anything bad? Don't anything with uh, well, whilst being naked? I don't think I've got... I don't Maybe think a session with someone? No. Nah. Tell me about your issues, we, mate. We do have boundaries. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've got a whole lot of well, ethical guidelines. That's not what you told me. What's <laughs> that? <laughs> I'm joking. Am I a life coach? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. All right. The bad. Parents are turning to marijuana more than teens, a study suggests. Marijuana use is often a top concern among parents of teens, but a new government report suggests it's not the kids you need to worry about. A 12-year report from the Centers for Disease Control released Friday shows a surprising trend. Older people and not teens are turning to pot at a more rapid rate. Now, I wanted to ask you, Mike, um, if you've had any experiences on marijuana, but also to... Do you think there's any positive benefits for marijuana use in the mental health industry? None at all. In fact, that's a big concern. Yeah. So um, the main issue, the main the initial triggers for people experiencing mental health typically occurs between the ages of 15 and 25. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So and if you actually, if you do the maths, what's the, what's the, when is people most likely yeah. going to try marijuana? Mm-hmm. 15 yep. to 25. What's most likely going to try regular use of marijuana? 15 to 25, it's highly linked to um, psychosis yep. as well, um, particularly when the brain is underdeveloped. The brain isn't fully developed till 25. Yeah. So it's a, it's a plethora of bad news, unfortunately. Yeah. I can't give you any positives. So why do people, why do you think parents are turning to it then? Why do you think parents are doing yeah. to it? 
cope with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. I, have a, I, have a, I have a question uh, that's directly... I assume it's accessibility. I, I don't know what area this article... You got this from? Oh, this was... BuzzFeed. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I imagine there'd be a hotspot. I don't know if this would be the general population. Yeah, that's true. I tell pro science. No, but... um. I have a, um, a genuine question on that on that topic. We have a interview lined up in two weeks with a woman named Jessica Nielsen from Maps. Do you know Maps? Uh, uh, for M something A something um, psych society. No no um, psychosis. No no psych um, psychedelic studies. Yeah, she's oh, psychedelic studies. Yeah. Do you know Tim Ferriss? Are you aware of Tim Ferriss? Yeah yeah. So Tim Ferriss is self funding. Uh, helping fund and self-funding a big portion of um, studies through, I don't know, it's Princeton or one of the universities for um, for studies to um, use psilocybin mushrooms to as the treatment of uh, anxiety, depression and PTSD. Right. And MAPS have done lots of studies for um, psilocybin, ayahuasca, um, ayahuasca and there's maybe another one. Um, do you know anything about this? Because this is... That is different to marijuana, though. Yeah, yeah. totally different. It's a different oh, drug, right but I'm just yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is, don't worry about marijuana. Oh, I'm right. just saying some of these illicit substances can actually be can they be used as a helpful form of treatment. Yeah, well, in the so ayahuasca, for example, um, ayahuasca is a class one drug in the United States, so like same as heroin, and it's a medicine in yeah. South America. So yeah. Brazil, yeah. Brazil tried to ban. Ayahuasca, a lot of lot of um, the rest of South America, I believe ayahuasca is banned mm-hmm. or yep. illegal. Sorry, um, but ayahuasca, the um, the shaman and all the indigenous in Brazil and Peru and in the Amazon, well, like you can't take this away. This is one of our most important mm. medicines. What mm. you can do whatever you want, you can ban it wherever. But this is uh, this is ours. We created yeah. this. This helps our society. Um, so we're going to talk to this lady from Maps to because I don't really know all that much about it. But have yep. you heard about these studies or anything like that? No, no, I haven't. No, I, the first thing I'd ask you, you know, I don't want to rain on uh, Jessica's parade in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, but yeah, I don't know how how longitudinal they are as well. Yeah. So that's probably the the biggest thing you'd probably want to check out first. So there can be with some of these trials, there can be some short term evidence, but not long term, mm-hmm. and understand it. So yeah, uh, no, not point. that I'm aware of. So what are the issues with like uh, with Psychedelic drugs, mushrooms, for example, like what, and then marijuana, or, or maybe mushrooms more, more so. Why do people claim that it sends them crazy? Is that a, is that a fallacy, or is that is that is like people? You know how people go on a trip and don't come back. Yeah, say, people say that. I always wondered whether that was my friend. My friend, um, one of my friends, Mike. He went to a, um, uh, he went to a psych, psych oh. ward or whatever okay. yep. um, when he was eighteen because. He had a mushroom and yep. went crazy, whatever. But yep. he'd been taking lots of ecstasy, yep. smoking weed since he was 12 years old. And I was a straw that broke yep. the camel's back. So I always yep. wondered whether it was a old wives' tale or whether yeah. it was something behind it. I've actually, I mean, I've had clients when I, I mean, I, and I've used in the, as I, through my training, using the, the substance use um, mm. environment. And yeah, I, I remember quite specifically when people are going feel like they yeah really lost their lost their minds after hallucinogens. So that's mm-hmm. the the category you're talking about is the hallucinogens, which yeah. are different to um, different drugs like you know pharmaceutically and so made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hallucinogens oh. are a different category of drug. Yes, they're in their gotcha. own category. Where I think you're talking about when you're talking about mushrooms and trips and so on. Yes, um, where people feel like they've lost their mind, they've been hospitalised mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Because I. I I can think of other uh, clients I've had as well. Yeah, they've they've dabbled here and there, like an ecstasy and so on, and 
Um, but it was the it was the trip that took them over the edge and hmm. hospitalized for three to four months and yeah, etc. Really? Et yeah. Do you know another funny thing? Um, I read an article the other day about um, uh, about um, Silicon Valley young um, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs. The new um, craze is microdosing with LSD. Mm. <laughs> really? Yeah, because apparently. There's an amount of LSD that you can obviously um, take in that it's nowhere near hallucinogenic states, doesn't actually affect you at all, but it opens up like levels yeah. of creativity. Ah. Apparently, apparently these a lot of Silicon Valley, it's the trend. It was yeah. like a New York Times article mm. I read um, and it was about, um, yeah, so people got to get to a point where they need some creative inspiration on some project they're working yeah. on and only use it once every month or whatever yeah it's like amphetamine and wanting to do uh, long periods of concentration yeah. all in, like a lot of uni students do that really like amphetamines tons and, of yeah. uni students do it yeah. I've, I've just, had mates to do it yeah. speed literally yep. just snorting speed, speed. and just smashing yep. out assignments yep. really all nighters yep it's huh. insane oh that makes sense and, and, and probably in the employment industry as well yeah yep. for sure mm. interesting um, so yeah we, you know and they, and they all talk about how really just narrow their focus gets they just yep. they just nail it mm. yeah how? The issue is though, whenever you mm. use something like that, when you don't have it, it oh. your concentration's worse and mm. you know, so it's hard to go back, isn't it? That's, you'll yeah. that's begin to rely on it. What's that? You'll begin to rely on yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. You'll see. I mean, like, you know, I just don't understand how taking a lot of speed, you know, is anything worse than taking a lot of Red Bull. Uh, I, like, I, I don't know. That's more of a social norm thing. But anyway, uh, we'll move on. Tommy Herb for president. <laughs> Alrighty. Now, the, the new iPhone 7 was released yesterday, I believe. Um, some of the stuff that it's now water resistant. Uh, it's got AirPods, so there's no earphone jack. Mm. Um, some other stuff. I think the resolution on the camera is just enhanced. It's got an unsmashable more. screen. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Once. Well, I think it does. Every fucking um, iPhone that I get. Uh, yeah. No, but I was just wondering, what would you guys like to see in 10 years' time some of the technology progress with the iPhone 15, for example? And there's always concept videos on YouTube, and they always think that, you know, we'll have holographic imaging for the iPhone 4 or the iPhone 5, you know, it's the iPhone 7, they haven't had that now. There's, there's two questions to this. So what do you think will happen in 10 years? And do you think they have the technology now, but they're just holding it for revenue purposes? <laughs> I always think about that second question. I'm always not sure whether they're, you know, they're just strategically small yeah. jumps up in. Oh, yeah. Always they well, it's almost a monopolized market. They but, can do what they want. Yeah. Also, isn't that uh, Moore's law of, is it Moore's law, whatever it is, that where technology will advance, will, will um, double every 18 months? Oh, the exponential the, increase? The speed of the, of the, of computing power yeah. there's an actual law called more I think it's Moore's law it might be something else law yep so maybe it has something to do with that I don't know what would you want what would you want oh we'll let, we'll let Michael go yeah sorry Mike okay I'll make a prediction <laughs> okay that in 10 years time we'll become so desocialized from <laughs> smartphones that everyone will be going back to dumb phones again really everyone will be happy with their Nokia I mm. am kind of with you on that <laughs> I think there's a, a huge market for a phone that has email and not much else. No, no, phone. Phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but Just I mean, phone, but I, what I mean is, yeah, I, reckon, I, I think that's, that's, um, that could be a goer because I get frustrated by it. So wait, you said phone port. No, no, like just a just that it just has a it can be just only used as a phone. Yeah, yeah. just phone. It just has a, a number mm. you can ring and that's yep. it. Not even text message. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Have we ever had that before? We have. <laughs> <laughs> we have had that 
You are generation that Y could That's be, sure. That could be the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my whole life Alexander no, Graham Bell yeah, that's true. <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell invented um, He invented text messaging yeah. And he invented the phone Oh my god <laughs> <laughs> That's right oh, so yeah, well, we, the, the dumb phones will be in yeah. Don't roll a flip Well I'll be amazed I'll be using that one <laughs> I'll be using that <laughs> You're already using the dumb brain Yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's God. good. That's good. Hey, what do I what do I I think in ten years time though? I think I'm with Michael. I reckon there'll be an option for um, something where you can get taken away from all these apps. Yeah. But the other thing that I think in ten years for people that want the apps or want a phone like this is I think I get really frustrated when I go I go like this. Hey Siri, can you um, Google the best slice of pizza on uh, the southern part of the Mornington Peninsula? Maybe Rye at the back of Rye or maybe... And then also, can you order me uh, a DVD to my doorstep? I think I feel like watching Flight of the Concords tonight. Thanks, Siri. <laughs> what? She didn't say anything. Me? Pardon? <laughs> she said, she said <laughs> who, who, me? <laughs> yes, you, Siri. No, yes, but in you. all seriousness, Siri, I think Siri... Will be a lot more advanced. Where oh, yeah. you know how you have to. It's amazing how you can just Google. Shut up, Siri! Now you're off. Your time's your time's done. We've got you on next week. Yeah. You know how um now you can just Google stuff at the drop of a hat. It's awesome. But I 100% believe that you'll just be able to talk mm. to Siri. Siri will be 10 times smarter. Siri will be yeah. like talking to a proper person. Hey Siri, can you hook us up the number for um, blah 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 blah? Give it a call. Like, yeah, that's I'll be actually someone taking the actual. Right. You guys haven't seen person. the movie. Not her, a, have you? Not you a seen person. the movie. Her. No, it's based on that. Oh yes, absolute I, have, yeah, premise. I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Where the where the, the, yeah, yeah. the Siri becomes it's, so smart, it has its own conscience in the end, and then actually leaves the software. So yeah. the dude falls in love with Wacom Phoenix, falls in love yeah. with Scarlett Johansson. Uh, of course you would. Was <laughs> yeah. a surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, God, if Siri was Siri. You were told of Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah. You dating anyone at the moment? Who me? <laughs> That opinion. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, so uh, that was a good, good to end science, by the yeah, way. That was all right. That was solid. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, excellent, Michael. You probably uh, got to get out of here shortly, anyway. So we've already um, done. We've already done three from three. Three from three. Let's, let's go. Six, let's six go. Your six. new one. Yeah, I'll, and I'll do one new one as well. Yeah, cool. So um, we normally, obviously, nine from nine, but you've already done that before. Well, uh, I've got a new question that I that I like to ask, which is, um, do you have any books? That you often recommend to people. Hmm. I like to want to say I like to what I'm reading now, or um, oh yeah, or if you're reading a good book now. Actually, because you guys are into journaling, have you heard of the Artist Way? Oh, no. oh. Probably my oldest friend. Yeah. It changed his life. The yep. Artist Way. Yeah. It changed his life. Yep. I've I've got to read the Artist Way. Yeah. But yeah, that's how he got through all of his mental health issues. Okay. Really? So it yep. talks about how to journal and it makes you journal like 15 minutes a day. Yeah, I think it's it like is. A, and it's a lot, big commitment. Like, yeah. yeah. He got me yeah. into journaling. That's who got me into journaling. Yeah, yeah. right. Yep. Really? They've been very effective, mm. really effective. I've had a lot of, um, a lot of clients have, have had success with that. Mm. So what's the difference between journaling and gratitude? Obviously, journaling is a lot more in-depth. But what more. are the benefits-wise if compared to journaling and just gratitude? Honestly, journaling? I think self-awareness and self-reflection. You know, so I think we go through so much of our life in an unmindful way where we're just kind of reacting to things and so on. Yep. The journaling and so on allows us to stop and take stock of what's our experience been like? What our, how do we actually emotionally respond to that? Mm-hmm. How do we feel about that? And how do we like to change or adjust that? Mm. Um, 
And actually, yes, when you write it out, because it slows everything down and you put it outside of your head onto something, yep. it makes it a bit more real and meaningful. Mm. And so then if I adjust your approach with whatever that situation is next time. Mm. Mm. Cool. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, my <coughs> question was, if you had, this is a very cliche question, but I don't, I would like to know your answer to this. Um, if you had one more day and you can't say spend it with your family, one more day to live, <laughs> what would you do? Um, and you, you just had, for some reason, you had a million dollars. You could go anywhere. <laughs> Um, just one thing that you maybe something you want to cross off your bucket list and you, you have one day if you just have one day um, I don't know, I'd like to mountain bike across the Costa Rican rainforest Ooh, Ooh, that's a really that's good a nice point one. A to point yeah. B that's a nice one. Good answer. Good answer. And then Good you job. die. That's, that's a, I, I nice. that week before between A and B. Yeah, 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 that's true. On the way. It's a hell of a jungle, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Excellent. So, um, do you want to uh, plug anything going on at the mine room at the moment? We talked about it earlier, but where can people find you and yeah, websites? Yeah, so we just, uh, we're just based in Collingwood in Melbourne. Um, we've got ongoing... We actually have ongoing drop-in mindfulness. So if you guys are around a Wednesday, 1 o'clock, mm-hmm. um, people can drop in um, anytime. Oh, that's cool. We have ongoing kind of six-week, three-week uh, mindfulness programs on weekends or in the evenings we run. So people... It's really intro-level uh, mindfulness. So people mm. who haven't done much or none at all, it's a really good class to do. Um, so what does a drop-in mindfulness look like? What's that, sorry? What does a drop-in mindfulness class look like? Exactly how it sounds. You literally drop in and uh, typically Joe, my business partner, one of our psychs, she'll, um, she'll run you through uh, an exercise, there'll be some discussion and it's a bit playful. You know, they'll use balloons or balls or, you know, something or other to make it a bit more interesting, mm-hmm. I guess, um, as opposed to sitting still. So we're, we're into more the creative elements of making not just a formal practice, but how to make it a bit more interesting and informal, but yep. still create it to everyday life, if that cool. makes sense. Excellent. Um, but yeah, for all the sports performers out there, I'm doing that come and try day in October and the Mindful Athlete in November. Uh, mindroom.com.au if you want to check them out. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Mikey, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, mate. You're a true friend of uh, Bench for Radio. <laughs> and uh, it was another good one. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for coming, brother. Tough. That's a wrap. Alrighty, guys. If you like that show, you can support us in a number of ways. You can climb up the um, highest mountain in your surrounding area and scream at the top of your lungs, I love brolosophy. You can do that. Uh, You could potentially, you could go to your local hardware store. You could buy some spray paint. Um, You could go, you know, sneak out in the middle of the night, get to a really busy area. Like say if you're in Melbourne, you could go to Federation Square, you know, if you're in LA, you can go to like the Staples Centre maybe. Um, London, you could go to kind of, um, where would you go? Maybe Tower Bridge. And, you know, take that spray paint and just spray paint, Brolosophy's fucking sick all over the joint. Like, fuck yeah, Brolosophy, Doc's the mad dog. You know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, you could certainly do that. Um, you could get a rock. You could, you know, get a bit of paper and just write, Brolosophy is the best thing ever. Subscribe. And then you, you know... Wait, yeah, paper first. You'd have to get the paper, write that on the paper, wrap it around a rock, bit of sticky tape, maybe like big, stretchy, what are they called, you know, lacquer bands. And you just, you take that rock or like a bunch of rocks and just throw it through somebody's window. Hopefully they'll subscribe to the show, um, you know, and that'll be awesome. Um, really help us grow. So anyway, so, so that's one way or three ways, three good ways you can support the show. Um, yeah, and you can also support our sponsors at trueprotein.com.au. Use the code BRO for 10% off. Also, head to au.yeti.com 
forward slash bro to check out the world's best coolers. You won't be disappointed. And head to athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A. Use the code bro when you inquire and you'll be eligible for 20 hours free there. This has been Philosophy Through the Eyes of an Idiot. See you next week.